Welcome to The Joy Factor, a podcast dedicated to helping you create a path to joyful living each and every day. We're sharing inspiration from real people combined with practical tools you can use to unleash the playful and joyful spirit already inside you. Now, here's your host, therapist, life coach, and yoga teacher, Julie Hansen. Welcome to episode six of The Joy Factor. Today, I'm talking to Gloria Martin, a Dallas, Texas-based marriage and family therapist in private practice. Gloria's thoughtful approach to seeking joy offers all of us the opportunity to dive a little deeper into this practice of creating space for reflection. We had a great conversation about how doing this provides an opportunity to connect with our soul And maybe listen a little closer for the questions that are needing to be asked. I hope you enjoy the show. All right. Hello and welcome to the Joy Factor podcast, Gloria. I'm so glad to have you here today. Julie, I am so glad to be here. This is awesome. So I was trying to think of ways to kind of describe to people what are the different paths to tapping into your joy. And I know for the work that we do as therapists and coaches, you can't do the work without touching on your soul. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I would like to start out our talk today um, I have a little reading I want to share with you, and I I want to get your feedback okay. and how you think that it that it applies to your life, and it could be personally or professionally. Okay. So this is from the book Let Your Life Speak mm-hmm. by Parker Palmer, mm-hmm. who is one of my favorite people. Absolutely, and I totally he, agree. I love him. I know, and so. He talks about how he has done, you know, a ton of retreats and a a ton of work with people and sort of looks at this pattern that reveals itself that people take a lot of notes Mm -hmm. about what he's saying, about what other people are saying, but they don't take as many notes about what they're saying themselves. Hmm. So we're looking for these, you know, sources outside of ourselves, I think. Mm -hmm to kind of figure things out. And he talks about how the soul speaks its truth only under quiet, inviting, and trustworthy conditions. Okay. He goes on to say, the soul is like a wild animal, tough, resilient, savvy, self-sufficient, and yet exceedingly shy. If we want to see a wild animal, the last thing we should do is go crashing through the woods shouting for the creature to come out. But if we are willing to walk quietly into the woods and sit silently for an hour or two at the base of a tree, the creature we are waiting for may well emerge. Mm -hmm. And out of the corner of an eye, we will catch a glimpse of the precious wildness we seek. Mm. Wow. What an amazing quote. Yeah, that's just an amazing quote. And, um, you know, it's interesting because... Um, as I was really enjoying thinking about the joy factor and what brings me joy, 
part of that for me personally is sitting and being quiet. And I carve out time in the day to do that. But that idea of sitting by a tree for an hour in silence is probably very difficult for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's the silence that's so very, very hard, I think, not and not quietening your mind. So, wow. I think that's really true. And I love the way he talks about the wildness of our soul. That's a beautiful imagery. Yeah. And isn't that, and I know that um, I'm fortunate enough to have a few little, enough enough forests near me that there are some deer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, just the idea of, you know, really when it comes to anything wild, you can't just go up and force it. Right. And I I love how he makes that connection that, you know, our soul is the same way. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a new thought for me to think about the wildness of my soul. Because I think many times we think about calming ourselves if we're agitated or, you know, calming your mind. But to think about your soul has wildness and that, you, you know, the taming of it is letting it come to you. Just like you're saying with the deer, we live across the street from a lovely park. And so we don't see deer, but, you know, there's all other kinds of rabbits. So some, you know, rabbits, squirrels, those kind of things. And sometimes when I'm walking, I try to be quiet enough to see if I can walk by the squirrel or the rabbit without them moving, <laughs> you know, to not disturb them. So um, I kind of like that idea of wildness of the soul and how do we get in touch with that? Well, and I think that it is, you know, it's something that we're doing. And I know that when I think about you, I think that there is sort of this deep ability to listen mm. and to connect with people. And, you know, that is you know, one of the qualities that it makes you such a great therapist mm. and such a, and such a great coach. And so, um, and you know, other people have different qualities, but right. when we're looking at, well, what are these common, um, strings that lead us to be able to weave together more joy in our life? Um, I think considering the wildness and considering the quiet is an interesting thing to add. Well, and I, I also think, Julie, that, you know, what he said there at the beginning is so fascinating that we take notes on other people, but we don't take notes on ourselves. So that idea of, yes, as professional, you know, I think I do have some gifts in listening and really uh, being present with people, but that idea of, when do I listen to myself, I, you know, and when do I give that same sort of energy to to my own soul? I love that idea of thinking about that. I was speaking not too long ago, and I told the story of I went for a walk in this, in this park, which I often do to kind of clear my mind, and as I was walking along, I realized you're not being quiet at all. You're thinking about what you've got to do next. You're thinking about your list of things to do. And so I just said to myself, stop thinking and, you know, use your senses, pay attention to what you see. 
And, you know, I did that for maybe 500 feet and (laughs) I realized Mm -hmm. there I go thinking again. And (laughs) so finally I came up with a scripture that happens to be one of my favorites. And, you know, it could be a mantra. It could be anything that you want it to be. But it was not until I started saying something over and over that I was really able to find that sense of quietness to keep me from thinking and, you know, to really just to be in that space. So I like that idea of thinking, you know, what do we do to listen to ourselves? Yeah. So, well, can you, can you share that scripture with us? It's it's a scripture. It's a verse in Psalm 40 and it's very simple and it's be still and know that I am God. And that just resonates, you know, so no matter how you believe and how you think about God, that idea of just being still and feeling that presence and that, you know, God is there with you. Oh, that presence and that trust and that faith. So how do you think our listeners can apply that to their own lives? You know, I, I think it's really important for people to really give some thought to this idea of what brings me joy. You know, as I thought about the joy factor and as I was, you know, trying to give some thought to what we might talk about this morning, it was a very interesting process because I think I'm a glass half full person. And for the most part, I'm a joyful person. I, you know, yes, I get unhappy and I get sad, but I have joy. And so I was thinking about But what gives you that joy, you know, and that what brings that? So, you know, for me, it is spending time by myself. It is um, making sure I'm filling filling my cup. And so I think just recognizing, you know, really breaking down, am I a joyful person? You know, and, and if I am, then what gives me joy? And if I'm not, what's preventing me from being joyful? Then I'm thinking about joy as that you know, not just happiness, oh, I'm happy today, but a state of being. Does that make sense? It does. And really, you know, resonates what you're saying, basically, which is recognizing the importance of the questions that we're asking. Mm -hmm. You know, am I stopping to ask, to kind of check in and ask, you know, how, am I a joyful person? (laughs) (laughs) Or am I asking questions like, oh, why did that guy cut me off in traffic again? Yes. You know, we have choices. Yeah. And that idea of choice, like, you know, and even when you wake up in the morning and you're having a bad morning, you know, you can't get your kids out of bed or you walk in and the coffee pot's malfunctioned or, you know, whatever the, you know, the struggle of the morning is to remind yourself, you know, I have a choice about how I'm going to handle all of these distractions of my day and you know what am I going to do with them? Am I going to let this derail me or can I just remind myself this is just life and the milk gets spilled and I can clean it up and let's go and you know and I can still be in that joyful place. Yes. Well, speaking of when the milk gets spilled. Right. <laughs> Can you take us to a moment when, you know, something tries to steal your joy or maybe a time that you're really struggling to kind of hold on to that half that half full uh, mentality? What steals your joy and how do you get it back? There are times when I can get caught in, 
you know, kind of a negative spiral of thinking. I, I have a tendency to be pretty self-critical. So, you know, that doesn't help, you know, you be joyful. And, you know, I'm thinking about probably five years ago, um, I have two grown daughters and we all kind of got out of communication with each other. And that was a really, really difficult time for me. And we've done a lot of work to rebuild that relationship. And it's, it's lovely now, but wow, that was a, you know, when I think about what steals my joy, it's being out of relationship with people that I love or knowing that I've done something to hurt someone. So that's kind of from a personal standpoint, you know, when I think about my practice and the work that I do, I think sometimes I can get what I call compassion fatigue. Um, I may have a time where there it just seems like that most people in my office are dealing with really heavy, heavy life issues. And and so I don't know that it steals my joy, but it certainly gives me pause and, you know, I have to work a little harder at some of you know, at, at paying attention to where I am so that I can, mm-hmm. you know, be with them. But it's just like the heaviness of this story is, you know, hurts my heart <clears throat> because I, yeah. because I care about people or wouldn't be doing this. So those are things that can kind of rob me of joy. So if we, if you have someone that you're working with or maybe a friend or a loved one who comes to you and says, I want to cultivate more joy in my life every day. Mm-hmm. What would sort of be like the beginning steps that you would suggest to them? Like how might they make that that vision into a reality? I think, you know, the first thing I'd want to find out is what are they doing? What, you know, one of the things I like to ask men and women is what do you do to take care of yourself? Um, how are you expending your energy? How much of your energy is going toward doing something that you that you love and you know so talking about that um, finding out if they are doing that I have identified I think like I said earlier that I need some quiet time but for other people that might be I need to get more social I need to be with more people so for me I find that Reading inspirational things is very helpful for me, and I found, you know, several websites that will send you daily, daily things that I enjoy reading and kind of lift my spirits. So I would want to, you know, find out what, you know, what is helpful to that person. Do you enjoy, do you find reading scripture, reading inspirational, you know, literature? Is that something that's helpful for you or, you know, Sometimes what what I need is to take a walk in the park and be quiet. And sometimes I need to go with my husband. And, you know, other people would think, oh, my God, I can't imagine going by myself. But, you know, let mm-hmm. me get my, you know, I haven't visited with my next door neighbor. So let, you know, let us go for a walk and or mm-hmm. a bike ride or, you know, whatever it is. Maybe I've gotten too isolated. If you're a very extroverted person and you need other people, maybe you've gotten isolated in that. You know, and you need to be with some other people, you know, to find joy. Right. So, again, we come back to beginning to sort of ask yourself these questions. Yeah. 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 I, I, as I was thinking about this, I, I really identified that that's very important to name for yourself 
that joy factor. I'm going to do a little add on just because, you know, we're both therapists. (laughs) (laughs) What about the really hard points in life? So if you're working with somebody who really is one of those folks that just, you know, is overwhelmed with, you know, some struggle, some loss in their life, and it might sound sort of, you know, meaningless to them Mm -hmm. to even think about asking these kinds of questions. Right. What might they do? Is there anything that you would offer just as, you know, helping people kind of create a soft place to land when they can't do much else mm-hmm. at that moment? Mm-hmm. I think that's a, you know, it's a really good point because, you know, I have even found myself saying to people at the risk of si- sounding trite, you know, in the midst of infidelity or divorce or, you know, time really does heal. And I think to, you know, try to offer some solace to people in those different you know, in those difficult times by being present. You know, often if you talk to people who are grieving or have been through trauma or, you know, if you ask them what's been most helpful, people will talk about presence and that people were present in their life. So again, sort of what are the questions, but helping that person identify when you leave my office, you know, what do you need, you know, in do you need to go and so in a grief situation, you know, is it meaningful to you to go to the cemetery or, you know, do you need to go and do see your grandchild or, you know, what what do you need? Because I think, you know, it, I think we have to be very sensitive to people in in those situations that are, you know, going through traumas or grief or those, you know, really tough things in life. And not the just make these sort of, you know, blanket, lighthearted, joyful kinds of statements. One of my favorite websites is the work that Louise Hay does. And just today, something came that said, are you afraid to feel joyful? And the woman talked about just sitting for a moment and breathing and getting in touch with your breath and finding just some solace in that, you know, in your breath. And so I think for some people that can be helpful. It's one that I think about a lot and that, you know, I think what you're saying about the idea of presence is something that you don't always realize that you are experiencing Mm -hmm. until after the fact. Right. So it's almost, you know, this process of kind of narrating with somebody what's going on, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So you're acknowledging whatever pain they're experiencing, but you're also helping them to just on some level here, mm-hmm. you know, that we're together and I'm here to support you. And then at the end of that conversation, again, another question of what do you need? Mm-hmm. What's one small thing that you might be able to do? And I think that can create a shift for people to even be asking that question. I agree. And that you just brought to mind a friend of mine who sent out a um, caring bridge post about a, a medical issue that she was dealing with. And I just loved at the end of it, she said, here's what I need. I do not need you to call and say, how are you doing today? I will let you know as this unfolds. I do need you to send me funny jokes every time you send me, 
you know, see something funny. I don't need you. And But she was very specific. And to help someone to think about that idea of what do I need, I think is mm-hmm. really important. I mean, this woman is a, is also, she also is a, she's not a counselor, but she's been a chaplain. And so she's, you know, she's aware of that, but I just love the fact that she was bold enough to really tell us, here's some things that would be helpful to me. So, you know, it's helping people in those really tough times to think about, because often you say, what do you need? And they don't know. So then to even take that further and say, well, so let's think about some things that you might need. Would it be helpful if you ask, you know, a friend to bring a meal over to you? Would that be helpful? Or, you know, that. You know, just even going so far as to throw out some suggestions to get them thinking about it's really okay to say, would somebody please come do my laundry? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, I need that too, by the way. So if anyone (laughs) wants to come do your laundry. (laughs) Not a very joyful thing to do, right? (laughs) Well, some people like doing laundry. Yes, they do. Who am I to stop them? Right. Okay, Gloria, are you ready for our Choose Joy round? I am. What's a daily practice you believe contributes to your success? As I've mentioned before, this quiet time in the morning. So um, for me, it means getting up before everyone else. And in this case, it's just my husband. But when my kids were younger, it was really having time in my home with no one else there. And I have created what I call my sacred space. My husband calls it my sanctuary. So we're fortunate that I have a room, but you can, you know, it doesn't have to be a room. It can be anything. For me, it's going there. I have things that I read. And so for me, reading inspirational literature is very helpful for me. I do yoga there. I meditate. And just having that time in the morning is really crucial for me. So I really am intentional about having that time every day. I'm imagining that in my head. Is there any um, book that you're reading right now that you think we might like to check out? There's not a book, but let me give you several websites that I like. One is gratefulness.org and um, you can sign up to get a daily quote. And I've gotten some lovely quotes. Gratefulness.org is sponsored by Catholics. I'm not Catholic, but I love it. And the quotes are, sometimes they're scriptures, but more than not, they're just inspirational quotes. Louise Hay, um, sort of on the opposite end of um, the Catholics for, you know, is, <laughs> is also, so I'm very varied in the way I get imp- inspiration. Love it. Yeah. Has lots and lots of inspirational things. There's an app you can get on your phone or your iPad. It's called Affirmations. And I think it's affirmations.org. And so you get this app and you just click on this little button and the affirmation comes and you can say, save it or not. So there's uh, several things. Uh, daily Ohm is one that you can sign up for a daily message. And so I love all of those. Oh, those are some good ones. Okay. Well, Gloria, I believe that you are one of the very best therapists in all of the DFW area. Really? Thank you. Wow. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I think my face turned a little red when you said that. (laughs) And you did not pay me to say that. And 
I guess what I'm getting at here is how can people in the Dallas area get a hold of you or people outside of the Dallas area who might be interested in your coaching services? Um, my website is discoveringgrowth.com. So it's all one word, disco- discoveringgrowth.com. And my email is gloria at discoveringgrowth.com. So I welcome you to take a look at my website and um, or just shoot me an email. I'd love to hear from you. All right. This has been so much fun. Oh, it's been delightful. delightful. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Julie. My conversation with Gloria really got me thinking about my own habits when it comes to listening to my soul speak and remembering to ask myself questions just about how I'm doing and what I might need at a particular time. She also reminded me of the importance of creating a sanctuary. And I'm curious about whether or not you have a space that allows you to reflect and find calm in your day. So maybe you don't have an entire room, but do you at least have a corner for calm? Is there some kind of an object that represents this to you? Or maybe some type of poem or maybe even just a houseplant? One thing I've always been drawn to are rocks. And I found that even having a few placed on a tray can just bring sort of a sense of calm to me. So there's lots of things that maybe you're already doing and don't even realize that that's connected to, on some level, wanting to have to have that sanctuary. I would love it if you drop by the Joy Factor on Facebook and shared a photo of what brings you calm. Or maybe you have a sanctuary space already. Like, what does it look like? I'd also appreciate your honest reviews of the show. So please go to thejoyfactorpodcast.com and hit the review button. Let me know what you think. And as always, if you have other ideas for the show, I'd love to hear them. Thanks for tuning in and have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to The Joy Factor. For more information, visit www.thejoyfactorpodcast.com.